one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in the fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive way. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. The structure from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads. Two information, trapping radios. We are trappers and ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because we're working ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got very much the same as the you got bog traffic. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the first shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. It's great to have you guys here. As always, the Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by. Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cots Bros have a full line of trapping supplies, traps, snares, baits, lures, books, DVDs. Get it at Cots Bros. We're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Use your phone as a GPS on the trap line. Mark your trap locations, track your movements, scout using the latest aerial imagery, and get landowner information on xmaps.com. Use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to get 20% off your first purchase. And finally, Moyle Mink and Tannery. Get your fur tanned by the professionals. Moyle is a family-run company out of Idaho. They do an awesome job, produce a wonderful product at a very reasonable price. Uh, top, top quality tanned furs. Whether that's for a wall hanger, maybe you want to make some mitts or hats out of fur that you've trapped, uh, check Moyle out, moyle.net, M-O-Y-L-E.net. And the tanning process, it takes a lot of time, uh, but if you use Moyle's online customer portal, you will get your uh, fur tanned uh, a little bit ahead of schedule. You usually get about a month uh, uh, cut off of the lag time there if you use the customer portal. It saves them time, and it saves you time. And so um, that's Moyle. Also, info at Moyle.net, I-N-F-O at Moyle.net. Let them know you heard about them uh, from the Trapping Today podcast. Okay, now this is something very new. This is interesting. Uh, I am trying this for the very first time, live stream podcast. So this is episode 193 of the Trapping Today podcast. And for those of you who have uh, are just catching this on YouTube, whether it's live or uh, on the replay, probably not going to catch it live many of you because I didn't do any advance notice or talk about it or or anything I just hit go live and and off off we are to the races Um, but uh, for those of you who are just picking this up on YouTube you should check the podcast out if you uh, this is not a new thing it's been going on for uh, like three years now and I am on episode 193 so almost 200 episodes we talk trapping every week I usually upload these on Saturday night uh, sometimes on Sundays and uh, it's always a different topic 
just a little background on some recent topics. The last couple episodes, uh, last couple weeks, we've been talking with Pat from Massachusetts about some unique trapping uh, there in Mass, whether it's uh, cage trapping or animal damage control work, mostly for beaver. And we've talked about a bunch of other things, just had a great time there going back and forth. Pat's been a longtime listener of the podcast. Um, I've talked with Jim Comstock of Comstock Custom Cage. He is uh, one of the, the top probably the top cage trapping manufacturer in the country, does an awesome job and has a lot to say. So that was fun. Uh, I've had uh, Ryan Moyle from Moyle Mink and Tannery talking about the entire tanning process. It's pretty amazing, all the details and all the work and effort that's involved and how their tannery is run. So that was a really popular one. We talk fur prices. We talk just a, a pile of different things. So you can get that podcast basically anywhere that you get podcasts, whether it's uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Stitcher is kind of hard. I don't know if you can get a Stitcher right now. They're kind of giving me a, a runaround. Uh, but Spotify, any of those, if you don't typically get podcasts, go to trappingtoday.com. You just play it right off the website. Really easy to do. Um, I don't usually put these up on YouTube. I'd like to, but I uh, don't always have time to do that. Okay, uh, because we are live streaming, if anybody tr- does trickle in, looks like we got four people trickling in, trickling in. And Schindenberg from Germany says, uh, greetings, usually listen to you on Sundays. A stream is awesome. So, hey, thank you for listening in. Thanks for commenting. That is uh, great. Um, now, the reason that, oh, Tom, uh, Tom Keltschick, Keltish and everything outdoors first time checking in great Tom great to have you here Uh, this is the cool thing about uh, from Wisconsin Tom all right the cool thing about the live stream is to the ability to get some instant feedback from people so so that's great now uh, I I did a live stream just uh, aside not anything to do with the podcast but I did a live stream like five or six months ago it was a lot of fun did it on a Saturday night talked fur prices went on forever and several people have asked me why I haven't done one since. And there's a good reason for that. Uh, living in a very rural area, uh, I love where I live, a very quiet place in backwoods, northern Maine. The problem is that we have very poor internet service. And I live on a road, I don't even have uh, cable uh, to the house. Uh, don't even have a phone line going to the house, no DSL or anything like that. So we get our internet service off of a tower and have a a little dish that collects a signal from the tower and it's very slow and very unreliable and so i can't even live stream on youtube like this with that connection and so as a result uh, the only way i was able to live stream was i pulled up uh, my phone and i used the wi-fi hotspot on my on my uh, smartphone that worked great except it sucked all my data that i i had sucked out about 15 or 20 gigabytes of data on that last live stream and so my i had about a month of uh, really difficult uh, phone uh, service and internet service through the phone because of the live stream and so i haven't dared do it uh, since however it, th- this month it seems like uh, i've used a bunch of data and it's not throttling or slowing things down just yet so i figured i'll take a chance and try it out and see if see how far we go so if i kick off the live stream uh, that's why, uh, and you want to catch the rest of this, go to trappingtoday.com or go to, uh, find the podcast. So in tonight's episode, I'm going to probably mention a couple of things in passing. I am going to give a fur market update. So, uh, a number of people are probably curious about what's going on in the fur market. If you haven't been following along, 
Uh, I have a listener question uh, that I got emailed uh, last night that I want to answer. Be a be a pretty simple one, but kind of interesting maybe for some people. And then maybe uh, whatever we got on the live feed, if there's guys that, or gals that have questions, just type them into the chat, and I'll I'll take a look at that chat toward the end of the show. And if uh, if there are any questions, I'll see if I can answer them. Um, notice I'm wearing my trapping today shirt. This is Prize Mustelids of the North American uh, Trapper, and we've got the Wolverine on the top. Uh, we have uh, Badger, Fisher, Mink, Martin, Weasel. Um, that is a beautiful piece of artwork from Philippe Willis, who is an artist and also a trapper uh, from Virginia. He listens to the podcast. He has his own podcast, Our, uh, the Our Numinous Nature. Great guy and great artist. He he did this shirt up. You can get it at trappingtodaystore.com. If you haven't already checked out the store, that's where you can get my long-distance call lure. And uh, the shirts, you can get. Sometimes I have traps. I have tan furs there for sale and uh, a couple of other lures and maybe a few other things i can't remember so uh, that's enough enough with the advertisements um, but i just wanted to mention that since uh, many folks are are listening in that may not have previously uh yes schindenberg ask would musk star elon musk's starlink internet be an option for you uh, as of this spring they announced that starlink was going to be available in our area and i have paid the hundred dollars down payment to get it and i am on the waiting list i'm waiting until they they said mid to late 2021 and so i'm kind of hoping that anytime in the next five or six months uh starlink will show up i'll i'll whatever it's like 500 bucks um total to get the supplies and and stuff mounted get it mounted on your roof and that would be sweet that the price they're quoting it would be awesome and it's super super high speed just be spectacular if that if that works you're going to see a lot more live streams so yeah okay um let's get into the how about the fur market so i want to talk about i'm going to take a quick swig here and uh take a breath and we'll talk about the fur harvesters auction Okay, so for those of you who are still getting up to speed, the fur market has changed a lot in the past several years. We started out years ago when I started trapping 16, 17, 18 years ago. All the, all the years kind of jumble together now. Uh, there were two major fur auction houses uh, in North America. We had North American Fur Auctions, which was the largest one. Um, and then Fur Harvesters Auction. North American uh, specialized in uh, mostly ranch fur, but they also sold quite a bit of wild fur. And uh, Fur Harvesters was was primarily wild fur, almost all wild fur. Uh, but both auction houses were in North Bay, Ontario area, and they, they sold a lot of fur. We also had a lot of private fur buyers, country buyers, who would either buy for order, uh, for furriers and people who made large orders, or they'd actually just collect fur, uh, buy it a lot of times and send it to those auctions. There was a lot of demand for fur in general. Prices went up and down and things kind of uh, just, uh, it, it, it things changed depending on what the market was doing, but the market always fluctuated, but there was always a market. The last few years, the market has kind of fallen apart. And if you haven't, uh, you can check out my last live stream from several months ago and you could find where I talked I think I went on for like an hour on the fur market and all the things that are going on. 
sort of on a broad uh, perspective and what things might look like moving forward. But unfortunately, there's quite a few events that I think are not going to be good for the wild or ranch fur market in the long term. In the short term, uh, I've been talking about seeing a bounce starting in 2020. We saw a little bit of a bounce, but not as much as as I think we all had hoped. COVID really threw things for a loop and delayed that opportunity for a bounce, even though the supplies of ranch fur were, were very depressed when... The, uh, the ranches, a bunch of the mink ranches pelted out either because they're losing money or because they, uh, because of COVID and they, they had to, they were forced to get rid of all of their animals. The supply of ranch mink went really, really, uh, very, very low. And, uh, the, unfortunately the demand in the market did not really, wasn't really stable relative to the supply. The demand fell a lot as well because of all the economic impacts of COVID. Um, we all kind of hoped that we were going to be coming out of that. It appears that the uh, COVID-related impacts are continuing and the recovery is, even though the economic recovery is looking pretty good in the United States, uh, it looks like there are a number of delays in getting things going in terms of uh, supply chains worldwide. Um, I don't think China's economy is doing quite as well as everybody had hoped. Uh there are issues with trade between the U.S. and China. Oil prices are coming up. That's a good sign because it means Russia, which consumes a lot of fur, is uh, is hopefully going to have some more purchasing power. Uh, I talked to a friend yesterday about the U.S. dollar. Um, overall, we are um, our government, in my opinion, seems to be doing as best a job it can to devalue our dollar by spending lots and lots of money and printing lots and lots of money. And so uh, when the value of the dollar goes down, that typically means the purchasing power of other countries is greater relative to the U.S. dollar, and therefore they can buy, pay more for fur, which is good news. The problem is every country in the world seems to be doing the same thing, devaluing its currency, um, and kind of following the U.S.'s lead. And uh, so, so there's really a big question there as to whether we're going to see what we did in like 2012, 2013, 2014 in terms of uh, a lot of foreign demand and uh, uh, high purchasing power. Uh, oil, you know, it was down 20, 30, $40 a barrel. It's up around 60 to 70 right now. Things are looking up there, but um, I, I just don't see the boom that we saw about uh, 10, eight or 10 years ago. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, a lot of uncertainty also revolves around the fact that you can't even get to Canada right now. They still haven't opened up their borders. Um, oh, Team Ambush, hi-ho from Saskatchewan. Um, you can correct me if, if that's not right, but my understanding is you still can't go into Canada. They're talking about letting people in sometime soon, but you're going to have to go through a lot of hoops in order to be able to, to cross the border. So so there are complications there for fur buyers that want to come from China, Italy, Greece, uh, wherever, to buy fur and look at the actual fur collection that Fur Harvesters has. Myers, uh, Randy, Myers Animal Damage Control, Northwest Missouri. All right, good to have you. Okay, so as a result of the closed border and the difficulty in the fur market, Fur Harvesters held a July auction which is uh, relatively um, unheard of. Uh, we haven't had a July auction for a very long time, but the unique thing about this auction is it was 100% online, just like the one they did back in, I believe it was April. 
Um, so they, they, they did this. Basically, fur doesn't last forever, even in cold storage. Uh, at some point, it has to sell. Fur Harvesters has bills to pay. Um, I, I think it's a really tough time right now to run an auction house, as NAFA was proof of. And they, they really they have to find a way to, um, to, to keep things going, keep people paid, keep the doors open, keep the coolers running, electricity and the lights and everything else. And so they had to move some fur. So they held this online auction. Now, uh, the, the question is, is this really a true picture of what's going on in the fur market? Because it was an online sale. People didn't actually get to see fur. Um, it, or is it is it just kind of, uh, are we just kind of pushing back a bunch of that demand until things actually open up? Uh, I don't know. I, I I was not personally not very encouraged by the results of this auction. But we'll, we'll go through it and you can kind of decide for yourself. Um, another thing to to remember is that anytime you get a report from the auction house, you're getting their their rosy picture. Um, typically, they're they're going to try to make things sound you know pretty good, like they're they're pretty decent. Um, don't blame them for that. Any business would want to do that, but you you got to take it with a grain of salt uh, most of the, most of the time. Mike Boone from Western Montana, thank you for joining us. And Randy says the border is open on the 9th of August for people who have been vaccinated. Okay, and I think you have to, you're have you going to have to prove that, uh, show a card or, or something to that effect. So um, it's not like walking into Tractor Supply where they say, well, if you're vaccinated, you can come in, but we're not going to check and, and verify it. All right, sale results, July 19 through 23 from Fur Harvester's Auction. Again, this was an online sale. There were pictures and videos of the, the lots of fur, um, but I'll, I'll read uh, FHA's auction recap. They say this was our second and final auction of the 2021 season. So for folks who are wondering, uh, they're not going to apparently not planning on having an auction this fall. I was wondering if that might be the case. I was hoping they'd they'd do something maybe in like December um, to try to clear out a bunch of that fur before the next season. But it looks like that's uh, not the plan right now. What was hoped to be a year of getting back to normal live auctions had us selling online for the second season in a row. Results of this auction saw very low interest in clearance on raccoon and beaver. Our April sale seemed to be the auction that buyers interested in beaver took a position as we sold at acceptable levels considering the environment we are in, and clearance was very good. We intend to hold to respectable price levels on the quality shearing grades and will try to clear as much now low end and small sizes in the weeks to come privately. So there's going to be a lot of private treaty sales going on after the auction. Hey, we got 10 people listening in the live stream. Awesome. Thanks, guys. It's, it's good to have you here on zero notice on a Saturday at uh, 1 o'clock. Who would have thought? All right. All coyotes suitable for the trim trade sold very well with strong prices and clearances. The middle grades of eastern coyotes and centrals were difficult to move. Italy and China were the main takers and the better coyotes. Let's stop for a second to talk about coyotes. Um, something big happened recently in the coyote fur, the fur market, and uh, demand potential demand for coyote pelts. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Canada Goose uh, was the number one purchaser of coyote pelts uh, because they use them for fur ruffs on the hoods of their expedition parkas. Very high-end parkas, like $800 to $1,000 a piece. 
uh, they they sold really well. Very big fashion trend. You see a lot of it. You see a lot of those Canada Goose jackets with the coyote uh, trim on the hood. Uh, they look great. People love them. They're super warm. Awesome. Well, Canada Goose is a publicly traded company. That's probably their biggest mistake is they took money uh, from uh, the public through shares of stock. And as a result, shareholders have the right to have a big say in what the company does. And apparently, oh, Dan Krogstad from Minnesota. Awesome, Dan. I, I, uh, it's great to, great to have you on. That Dan's been, we've emailed back and forth. Uh, Dan, Dan's bought lure from me and, and the, the Mustella t-shirt and all that other stuff. So that's cool. Um, okay. Let's see. Let's get back to the point. Canada Goose, um, the, it was a big fashion trend and they sold a lot of those coats. Well, uh, at the same time, a lot of the uh, lower end coats uh, kind of copied Canada Goose. A lot of Chinese companies and others made like lower end parkas that they, they, uh, they also use coyote for the trim on the hoods. But they might have used kind of like instead of the heavy western pale coyotes that were the top quality, they from North Dakota or Montana, they used like my coyotes I catch in Maine that were rough and shaggy and look like German shepherds. Um, but it really propped up the fur market for coyote pelts. Canada Goose basically helped make the market. Uh, a friend who listens to the podcast and is an analytical guy, Kevin from North Carolina, did a little analysis a while back. I, it's on the website on trappingtoday.com. If you search Canada Goose, you should find it. And he mentioned, uh, based on the numbers, he guessed that Canada Goose accounted for maybe about 30% of the, the market for uh, coyote pelts. I, that could be way off, but it's probably as close a guess as anybody's been able to venture. Um, uh, but uh, they th- there was a big pop around the time in, in coyote pelt prices across the board because of that even to the point where our northern Maine coyotes that usually were lucky to get 20 25 dollars for they were selling for you know 50 to 100 dollars depending on the auction things just just went nuts for a while there uh canada goose after they say it's not because of pressure from shareholders i don't believe that for a second uh, there's been a lot of animal rights people who have have bought into the company and showed up and and commented and and had a bunch of input that they wanted to have them stop using fur, uh, wild animal fur for their in their parkas. So about a year, maybe a year or two ago, they announced Canada Goose announced they were no longer going to be using what they called virgin coyote fur, meaning fur that they bought from trappers. Instead, they're going to use recycled fur. And everybody wondered, what the heck is that all about? So it was like a two or three year thing. They were going to phase that out and they were going to just go to recycled fur, which uh, again, no one's really been able to understand how they were going to do that and where were they going to find all this recycled fur. Some people speculated that they're just the next two years, they were going to buy up as many coyote pelts as they could and then kind of use those, use that stock and figure something out from there. Well, we I don't even think we got into the two years um, after they mentioned that. And they just made a recent announcement that said they were completely done using coyote fur uh, or wild animal fur in their their jackets whatsoever. And so that's a big change. That means uh, as purchasers of, of Coyote Pelts Canada Goose is kind of out of the market. There is, as FHA reports here, there's still interest from other buyers. That There are people that have 
said that don't worry about it. There's always there's going to be demand. There's still people making these coats, and that's true. However, the issue that I see with this is Canada Goose was kind of a trendsetter, and all the other companies were copycats, right? So they it's like a Chinese company where you take, uh, uh, say, stuff in the fly fishing industry. So I fly fish. I buy fly rods, reels, boxes, all kinds of stuff. And as soon as a new product comes out that's unique, there's a company that sells it, does really well. A Chinese company figures it out, grabs a couple of those and makes a prototype that's just exactly like it, sells it for a third or a quarter of the price. Um, and, and so that's what these companies are doing. However, these companies don't innovate. They don't set trends. They don't uh, create fashions. They don't um, invest in that side of the business and, and influencing what people purchase. And so my fear is that this, without uh, Canada Goose or a similar fashion type company leading the way with advertising and trend setting and all that stuff, I fear that this uh, whole coyote pelt uh, fur rough thing is going to kind of go away and there won't be much demand for them. So for now, people have been able to sell these uh, recently, but that's uh, questionable how far that's going to go. Okay. Uh, muskrats advanced over this was actually good news advanced over the good levels we achieved in april with the exception of the first few lots of the top 3x 2x selects being held back martin sold over 90 percent at levels just shy of april 2021 and this item is not at the levels we want it is however felt to be heading in the right direction the otter sale went well increasing over our last auction but not as strong a clearance paler colors are more desirable at this time Fisher sold at over 95% at increased levels as well. The better grades of links we held back as prices were not satisfactory, while the smaller sizes and commercial grades we sold at market. Wild mink, and at market means whatever people were willing to bid. Wild mink remains very low. However, we sold out and hope those purchasing the item do well, sparking interest in this once sought-after article. Our very large offering of Western lynx cats, which is bobcat, Sold better than expected with good interest and competition for the very top goods as well selling numbers of B-colored bellies. Eastern Canadian lynx cats did very well once again also. Demand is strong for this item but a live auction would definitely increase clearances. The last day of the sale saw Timberwolves and Wolverines selling very strongly as was the case for many of the more sundry items. We look forward to the time when we can return to traditional auctions but until then we must all work with what we have and be creative. Our team spent a great deal of time and energy taking pictures and videos of thousands of sample lots, which without question helped in selling what we did. Despite these very strange and trying times, Fur Harvesters Auction Inc. has concluded the year surprisingly well thanks to all of you. Detailed results on the next page. So um, I think uh, it's, it's good in the sense that they were able to sell fur, they're able to make a little bit of money, and I think for all of us in the trapping industry, no matter where, what you do with your fur, no matter where you sell it, we all benefit from having a auction company that will sell wild fur. Whether or not that's your choice, uh, it's an outlet, and it really helps the market. And so I hope Fur Harvesters, her harvesters is able to uh, continue on and uh, and be, you know, a, a company that continues to sell fur for a long time. So just if you want to get into details, uh, we're going to we're going to hash out the numbers here and uh, 
pull no punches. These are these are the numbers as close as as the summaries are going to be able to get us at. All right. So beaver, they offered eighty thousand beaver. Um, the first, second, eastern beaver, only twenty three percent of those sold. Those are the better quality beaver. Twenty three percent sold for an average price of eleven dollars and eighty six cents. So that twelve thirteen dollar price average for beaver, we didn't even get that. The spring auction actually did quite a bit better than this. The beavers were in the mid to high teens, but um, the as they said, probably you know the high quality beaver is a very limited market, and when buyers get what they need, they're gone. They're not going to want anymore. Uh, the hatter market has always kind of provided a floor. Usually that floor has been close to that $13 or so, uh, $10 to $13. Um, that, that market may be weakening as well. The third section beaver, uh, only 20% of those sold. A lot of those are going to be the lower quality beaver. And uh, they average $4. $4. So um, beaver, not something good to sell there. I, I didn't send any, luckily. I actually sent uh, half of my beaver. Well, a bunch of my beaver went to uh, uh, Garrett Volk at Volk Furs in North Dakota. He makes hats and gauntlets and stuff. He does does a great job. If you look him up, Volk Furs on Instagram, he's got a bunch of pictures there. Um, then a bunch of my beavers I sent to Moyle. And I also have a freezer, half a freezer full of beaver pelts that I'm going to send to Moyle when the weather cools down a bit. So, uh, and I, and those, uh, sent some to my friend, Josh Fisher. He made some awesome beaver mitts. Get in touch with me. If you're interested in buying a pair, I have two pairs of beaver mitts. I have not advertised them for sale. Uh, they're just spectacular looking and they're sitting here at my house and I haven't done anything with them yet. Uh, castor, castorium. So beaver caster, uh, that was again, the highlight continues to be the highlight. The, uh, prices for caster uh, spiked there about a year ago and they've they've held up very well so caster went between $90 a pound and $120 a pound depending on the grade the the grade one was 110 grade two 100 grade three was 90 and then that west select the top grade was 120 a pound so caster is doing really really well the mink all the mink sold females $3.50 males $6.50 uh, pretty pathetic prices there. Martin Sable, they the heavy Alaskan and uh, Western Northern Canadian type Martin, they averaged about $43. Again, nothing uh, spectacular. Those are typically around, you know, they should be 60, 50, 60, 70 dollars. So 43 for those. The semi heavies went for 34, um, and then things went down from there. Those Western Martin that you get like in Montana or Idaho, they went for 18 to $26, uh, 26 for the better Westerns. Otter, 60% sold at $23 average. Fisher, um, most all the Fisher sold 95%. They averaged $23.65. Uh, not, not good, not really good for Fisher. The, those should be a 40 or $50 pelt in, in recent, more recent market conditions before the crash. Lynx, 30% sold for 51 bucks. Again, that's that's really low for Lynx. Um, the Western Bobcats, no, they're holding up. The uh, the better Western Bobcats, only a quarter of them sold, but they went for $350. So that's good. Uh, I don't know what the other three quarters of them would have sold for, though. Uh, 
Um, we've seen a drop in those Western cats. Uh, the Canadian bobcats, the last two auctions have done well, and that's like uh, the northern or Canadian bobcats. That's typically what we would catch here in Maine, just a few hours south of me, and uh, like uh, Ontario or you know more the the more southern part of the range. We have more bobcats and fewer lynx. The, those those sold for sixty bucks, fifty nine, sixty bucks, and for a long time those were only thirty or forty dollars. So that was good. And the central, the the lower quality bobcats are about thirty five. Muskrat, excellent demand for muskrat. I'm not sure the exact uh, purchasers and what they're using that for, but essentially all they're at sold for five dollar average. So if you're looking for something that you can actually pay the gas with, and and uh, you have a lot of rats in your area there's an opportunity there uh, it would be a great year probably to go after muskrats so they're 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 selling out they're they're not being held back at the auction house and they're selling for good prices red fox continues to languish around 10 or 15 dollars uh, and the lower quality fox is around five um, gray fox between nine and thirteen dollars and coyotes, uh, so those Western heavy coyotes averaged almost almost $98. Those, uh, again, are holding up. The Western semis are $52. The Eastern coyotes, like the ones that I trap, are $26, $27. And then the Centrals, things really dropped off $10.50. So that was it for Fur Harvester's auction. If anybody has any questions or comments on fur prices, put them in the chat. Um, and and we'll see see if you have anything to offer or any any questions that I can look at. Okay. Now I had a listener question. I'm gonna look this up in my on my phone here. Let's see. So this was DJ from uh, Kentucky. He just sent this to me, and I thought it was an interesting question. So. Um, I'll read that and, and give you my thoughts. He's a, a younger trapper and a new trapper. So he says, hey man, I've emailed you before about trapping questions. Really enjoy your podcast. I've trapped for just one season in Kentucky, which I know isn't known for trapping much, but I've started to enjoy it. I'm trapping for beaver and river otter and would like to know if there's a good way to attract them to an area to stay at. I've heard river otters travel a lot and could only be at my place once every two weeks. But is there a way to attract them to your area to make it a place they stay at more? Might be a dumb question, but just wondering because it is a small river I trap at and they seem to not stay there much and for a very short time if they do. Thanks in advance. Really hoping to bring in multiple beaver and otter this season. So, DJ, there's no such thing as a dumb question. The fact that you asked the question is uh, really good. Um. So, so it is a good question. However, uh, it may not have the best answer or the answer that you're looking for. Um, unfortunately, sometimes there are no uh, easy things in trapping or in life. Sometimes things just take patience. And I think, in my opinion, otter trapping is kind of that way. So you're right. Otters uh, are not going to tend to stay in areas for a very long period of time. Otters, in my experience, have very large home ranges and they run these big circuits. And so they, they can be gone from an area for two to three weeks and all of a sudden they'll show right back up um, and they'll be there for two, three days, three, four days and they'll move on to another area. And so the short answer is no. You're not 
they're uh, short of maybe putting a cage around them. I don't think you can hold an otter, uh, keep an otter in an area. Now, I will offer a couple of thoughts around that, though. The I think the size of the home range of an otter, and again, I haven't read into a bunch of the science on this, so, so just uh, take this as a trapper's perspective. I think that has a lot to do with the uh, not only the what the otter population is like in an area, but the food availability. And so the type of habitat and the amount of food that's available there uh, probably has a lot to do with uh, how far that otter is going to range, how big that home range is going to be, and how far it's going to travel, as well as how long it's going to stay in an area. And so if you are at a, say, a, a crawfish farm in Louisiana, or a catfish pond, commercial catfish pond, or any place like that where there's a really huge food source that's concentrated in a small area. I think otters you're going to find are going to tend to, to have smaller home ranges and they're going to stick around an area for a longer period of time. If you're in a small creek in Kentucky with not a lot of other water around it and there isn't really a big food source there, there you're not going to see otters there very often because they're going to have to range far and wide to find food and when they get there they're going to look around they're going to look for sign of other otters they're going to mark their areas they're going to feed they're going to hunt and then they're going to leave and so um, outside of like breeding season which we're typically not trapping during anyway or or pupping season um, you're you're going to have uh, otters are going to move around a lot i don't know anything uh, that you can specifically do to make an otter stay in an area. However, um, you can pick areas that they're going to be more likely to spend more time in. Uh, for instance, I am in an area with a, a very large river, or a pretty large river, and a bunch of backwater sloughs and, and channels and beaver ponds and all that stuff, big marsh area, where there's just tons and tons of food. And the otters still do run a pretty, you know, like a two or so week circuit. But I do tend to see them for quite a long time when they come through. They're there for three, four days usually. So so that's good. Uh, also in an area, because it's such a big area and good habitat, it seems to be that there's a little bit of overlap of home ranges and you see uh, there's more otters around and you, you, you may intersect a couple of different ranges. Um, another thing, so, so look for areas with lots of food. Another thing to, to think about is Look for areas. Um, look, look for otter toilets, and an otter toilet. If you haven't seen it before, um, it's a place where uh, you're basically you're basically going to find this in areas that otter frequent. Um, usually, like uh, road crossings, bridge crossings, uh, intersections of a road or a trail, and a watercourse. And it's either going to be otter droppings. Or it's going to be uh, where they they feed and then they puke up uh, bones. A lot of times it's it's bones and other parts that they don't digest as well. And they kind of puke that up on the ground. And there will be little piles of, of bones um, from from fish or crayfish or, or whatever, uh, frogs, stuff that they happen to be eating. Otter toilets are like an absolute magnet. Anytime you find one, mark that. If you got Onyx, mark that on your Onyx with a special symbol. Hotspot, gold. This is the best place for trapping uh, in this area because otters, every time an otter goes through that area and passes through, it's going to find that toilet. 
as as far as I know, they're they're gonna find they're gonna they're gonna go and check that. They're gonna check for other otters having been passing through there, and it's just habitual. They they always go there. They always leave their sign. Um, not only are otters gonna be attracted to it, other animals like coyotes, foxes, mink, uh, a, a lot of different animals are attracted to otter toilets. So I know people who have put trail cameras on those toilets, and it's amazing what what actually shows up there. So, uh, DJ, sorry if I didn't, if there wasn't a perfect answer for your question, but I hope it got you thinking a little bit more on, uh, on otter trapping and hope that it helps you this season. Uh, Mike in the comment, any word on wolf prices? Yeah, I think so, Mike. Uh, let's see, wolf. Oh, I don't have wolf on here. Okay. Um, let's see if we can find it. I think I looked, uh. They have the ranch mink and the ranch fox prices. Uh, one thing fur harvesters has done is they've picked up some uh, sales of ranch uh, fur in addition to wild fur because, uh, eh, you know, NAFA's out of business and it's just another way to move fur. Um, I don't I don't see any wolf price results uh, just yet, Mike. That was wolves, uh, bears... Wolverine, all that sold at the the last day of the auction. That typically is a lot of times that'll be in a different report, and I think they just haven't um, they haven't published that. So um, sometimes they won't even they won't even publish a a separate report for some of those later results. But what they usually do is at some point it'll be either weeks or maybe a couple months down the road. You will see the uh, sale catalogs uh, put up on the Fur Harvester's website. Pretty typically you'll see that. Um, and you'll be able to find the results. But um, unfortunately, I don't I don't think I have that. Let's see. No, I've got the April one. I got the April sale catalog, but I do not have this most recent one. So all I've got to go on for you is that uh, they said they did well. <laughs> So selling very strongly, whatever that means. I don't know, two, three hundred bucks, three, four hundred bucks. Um, Wolf doesn't seem to bounce around too much. Maybe five hundred for the better quality ones would be my guess. So anyway, thanks for the question. And hey, I think that's about it for the live stream, guys. Great to have you here as always. And for folks on the podcast, it's always great to have you listening in and hope that you enjoyed a little bit of that back and forth um, a little bit of, of live action. Now, finally, we have a final message uh, that we do every week for the podcast from Cots Brothers Lures. Thanks again to Cots Bros for sponsoring the show. And there is a special promotion that's only available for the next two days. If you go to CotsBros.com and purchase uh, any order of over 50 bucks, $50 or more, use the code 5 now, number 5 the letters N-O-W, you get five bucks off. So if you got stuff to order and you want to go ahead and do an order on Cots Bros, uh, anything over 50 bucks, you want to save $5, $5 in your pocket, use that code five now. That's, uh, L- that is valid until August 2nd. So check them out, Cots Bros. Thanks, Cots Bros. Thank you guys, as always, for listening in. The 1,000 or 1,500 or so folks that are listening into the podcast and the seven or so on the live stream. Uh, thank you guys and hope to do this more in the future till next time keep on talking trapping 
Keep on thinking, Trapping. We'll catch you in the next episode.